Hello and welcome to Community Forum. My name is Art Leal and thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast, where we are continuing to bring you news, information, commentary, and interviews on issues and topics that are relevant to our community, and always keeping to our goal of keeping you informed. Since we are not a live broadcast, we encourage our listeners to continue the conversation using our Facebook plugin on the episode homepage. There you can share and communicate with other users about the current episode. We hope you found us on iTunes. If not, make sure to follow the link to subscribe with your Apple device and download the latest show when it's available. And to make sure you know when the next episode is available, sign up for email subscription and you will always be the first to hear the latest. Community Forum is a weekly podcast. In a short time, we will have a podcast lineup in advance to give you the opportunity to submit questions online for any of our guests prior to their interview, allowing you, our listener, to get even more involved in the conversation. We hope you enjoy this podcast, and please remember to share with your friends and give us a Facebook like on the episode homepage. We have a great discussion for you today, and we'll be right back. History has always been a popular pastime. Researching, studying, and understanding of history helps future observers understand where we have been so we can understand where we are going. Texas is a state full of history. Several areas of Texas have been researched and studied. Pages after pages have been written regarding Texas history. One might think there is nothing left to be written that already hasn't been. From the study of the Panhandle region to the study of South and Central Texas, including any study of the Alamo and the Republic of Texas, one area of Texas has been left out. All of us know this area as Big Bend, and to most historians, it was only occupied by savage Indians before the first census. West Texas native and author Israel Mendoza can prove otherwise. When speaking with Israel, I could tell from the start how passionate he was about his research of this area. I had a chance to speak with Mr. Mendoza to discuss his latest book. Uh, welcome to Community Forum, Israel. Uh, for our listeners, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, yes, Art. Uh, thanks for the invitation and the opportunity to be here to talk to you about the book. Um, my uh, uh, background is varied. Um, I was born in Pegasus, raised in Odessa. I I grew up in the oil industry, uh, in the seismic and oil drilling industry, and uh, moved to Austin and uh, uh, been in uh, management, uh, other fields as well, uh, regarding the uh, real estate management, and have intermittently continued to work in the oil industry as a safety advisor. And for the past, uh, I guess, beginning 1987, I began doing historical research. Actually, uh, fam- my family tree and it evolved to historical research and uh, and other things. And now, 25 years later, here I'm wanting to release uh, some of the information that I've uh, acquired over the years. Now, the book, the book that you've written is uh, is titled "A Brief Chronicle of Presidio del Norte." And the cover work, just looking at the cover work, is, is very beautiful. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about the, the cover work. Well, uh, I've, it was uh, my intention was to publish it in English and Spanish, and 
I did not want to publish two different books, and I also especially did not want to have every other page being English, Spanish, English, Spanish, or to have the entire book read in English and then the back half in Spanish. I, I felt like uh, both languages deserved a cover of their own, and so I designed it to where if you want to read it in English, you look at one cover or you can flip it over, and uh, you'll see the the Spanish title to the cover uh, on the other side. And that's that's a that's a very unique feature of, of this book, and and I know my my daughter was fascinated uh, <laughs> with the book because I think she she's she reads a few books uh, that are actually uh, that are done that way. Um, oh, okay. and uh, the, the, and it's, so it's I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Now the the cover itself, it, I mean, it's very colorful. There's there's pictures of of presidios in there. Uh, there's uh, you know, there's a Spanish soldier there on the front, and then there's a there's a, uh, an Indian there. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the uh, the concept behind that. Well, uh, the Presidio is actually a um, depiction of uh, the real Presidio de Norte. Uh, the last time I was there three years ago, the walls were falling, and I wanted to preserve uh, what the uh, site looked like and to include the church. But uh, the overall concept uh, of the cover uh, depicts uh, a time period of the er- early 1800s and also the evolvement of uh, the native people there. Uh, um, you know, there's some Spanish and uh, mestizo or uh, Mexicans, uh, and, but uh, it was, West Texas has always been predominantly uh, Native American Indian. So, what made you want to write this book? Well, uh, it's, um, I feel like it's important for uh, this information to come out. It's a long time coming. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I began doing uh, family uh, tree research and uh, searching my ancestry and little bits of history started popping out and so, uh, I began wondering, well, why isn't this information known? And so I, uh, uh, I felt like it's important information that needs to be known by everyone, and uh, uh, it's uh, information that's been, I feel, uh, that's been omitted or suppressed, and perhaps, uh, well, in my mind, is uh, uh, partially why some social issues exist today because of lack of understanding and lack of knowledge. Now, the the book also it also includes uh, it, it includes a translation of of a chronicle by an individual by the name of Francisco Colomo. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was who was Don Francisco? Uh, Don Francisco was the son of a Spanish soldier. Um, not a lot is known. Uh, not a lot of detail is known about him, but uh, uh, he was born at Presidio Norte, uh, present-day uh, Okinawa in Presidio, Texas. Um, his father was a soldier. Uh, I believe he was born in 1798, uh, February, and uh, he grew up initially as a soldier uh, at the age of 13, uh, uh, guarding the horses. Uh, and. Um, he was educated and eventually became a, uh, an attorney and 
uh, was apparently did a lot of governmental documentation, which apparently entailed uh, documenting um, the local and regional events that were taking place in present-day northern Chihuahua, Coahuila, Mexico, as well as West Texas. So he was a he was a chronicler, definitely. And I know yes. just looking at the at the chronicle itself, I mean, it's got it has a lot of details. Almost it almost reads like um, like a genealogy uh, yeah. on on the chronicles, and it has a lot of uh, individual names. And I know I found myself wanting to know who these people were that he uh, that he shows that either died or mm-hmm. were married. I found myself wanting to know who they were. Do you think do you think that he uh, that when he put the names in there, do you think that those individuals were were important people in the community, and that's why he was putting them in there, or was he just uh, just documenting, just you know, as a uh, more to be a, like a librarian or someone who was going to hold the records? Well, I, I believe it was uh, a form of um, documenting uh, events in the lives of people that lived in the region. And some of them perhaps were important people, I'm sure. Uh, but the the document is very important, and it's the first of its kind. Um, literally nothing is known about West Texas during the early 1800s uh, through 1859. And so um, this chronicle not only provides genealogical type of information, uh, whom mentions many surnames of people that live here today, uh, but it also documents the existence of many rancherias, which were actually hamlets that consisted of uh, multiple families that lived in close proximity to each other in order to, to protect each other from uh, Indian attacks. But the point is, is uh, uh, these settlements were here before and after West Texas became part of the rest of Texas in the United States. And, you know, they, well, they've always been here, and uh, uh, it establishes that they're, they're native to, to West Texas. And, and, that, uh, and the Chronicle, I know I had read in, in, in the book that the, these Chronicles, this book, has since been lost. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it was in, uh, kept at the Marfra county clerk's office and I've been searching for that document for about 20 years or almost 20 years and uh, every time there's a change of administration I always ask for it and um, hopefully um, me uh, bringing this information in public will spark attention or will maybe jar someone's memory and uh, might have knowledge of the location of the document. The only thing that for sure exists is the original translation of the document, and uh, which is in, uh, being held or owned by a family in uh, an old family ranch in uh, community in uh, West Texas. I was really uh, I was really fascinated by some of the traditional names that uh, our ancestors gave to uh, to different areas. Uh, I grew up with El Paso always being known as uh, El Juco, and I've heard Pecos area being referred to as uh, Delilas. Uh, in the book, you refer to La Junta. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about La Junta. Well, La Junta is actually an ancient name um, that began being used in the 1500s. Um, 
Specifically, it was uh, in reference to uh, a specific point where the Rio Concho in northern Chihuahua um, traveled in a northern direction and intersected the, um, the Rio Grande. Um, although I say Rio Grande, but many of the locals there still refer to it as the Rio Bravo. Um, anyway, the, inter the junction of those two rivers is um, what the, the name La Junta de los Rios, the meeting of the rivers. Uh, that name was used for about uh, a little over 300 years, and uh, eventually they, uh, the Spaniards established a presidio there. And um, the area, that location, uh, was referred to as Presidio del Norte, and it was also referred to as Presidio del Norte de la Junta de los Rios. So it, um, uh, the original name is actually 10 words long. <laughs> but uh, and it, it has evolved and, and changed, and but uh, many people today refer to the area as La Junta. But I, I would like to uh, state that although initially the term La Junta or La Junta de los Reyes or Pacillo Norte, whichever uh, title or name you'd like to use, initially it referred to one location, but actually uh, through time that location re was. Uh, referring to an entire region, which uh, included uh, northeastern Chihuahua and northwestern Coahuila and much of West Texas. So uh, the La Junta region was an expansive area, and uh, a lot of the natives uh, lived throughout the, that region. In the book, you, you reference, too, uh, tra uh, many traditions and, and language uh, as Hispanics uh, relating to the Humano Indians, uh, one of them that really stood out was was Washas. Uh, uh, tell tell us about Washas. Yeah, it's uh, it's an ancient game. Uh, today in in Texas, they have uh, uh, tournaments statewide, and uh, um, it's you know they, it's they called many names: Washers and Wachas. And Washas is just uh, a word that evolved from from other names of the past. Um, uh, it's it's an interesting game that uh, many of us uh, grew up playing as kids, and uh, but actually, I, what I found interesting is that uh, evidence, archaeological evidence of uh, of the game being played in the 1600s in New Mexico, and um, and even uh, being played by the Aztecs uh, during the time that uh, Cortez. Uh, was uh, uh, had uh, Moctezuma captive while he was trying to take over the, the capital there. Uh, they played the game of Washas, only back then they called it uh, Totolicas. And they didn't play with washers, they played with pieces of gold. And so it was, uh, uh, it was a gambling game in, in that time period. And I guess it probably still is today in you know, many Many families today play washas, you know, during family barbecues, and maybe play for a beer, or, you know, something. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's been around for you know for millennia. And, and as far as language is concerned, uh, the the mentions the Nahua language of the Humanos, and 
some of the words that kind of stood out that we grew up with as, as young children, uh, things like uh, coco and cuate, those types of things. Tell us a little bit about those those language. Well, um, yeah, the, the humano, um, I, uh, uh, there were the largest and most progressive Indian nation in Texas, and they were multilingual, uh, and they had to be in order for them to trade through the uh, vast regions that they traded with uh, with other indigenous groups, but um, their primary language was a uh, Nahuatl or Nahuatl language, and you know today uh, many Aztec terms or Nahuatl terms uh, have been incorporated into both the English and the Spanish language, but um, in West Texas and only in West Texas have additional Nahua terms been continued to be used, uh, su such as moyote and soquete and sacate and cuate and uh, chueco, you know, and many others, and cocono, you know, for turkey. And, you know, uh, there's a reason that those terms were continue to be used, and that's because uh, many of the people here in West Texas are direct descendants of the uh, native Humano Indians. That is, that's fascinating. Reading the book, I, I found myself wanting more. Would you consider this a a chapter to a much larger book or larger work? Oh yes, I uh, I wish I could devote my entire time to this. Uh, I have uh, three other manuscripts that I'm working on, and one of them is uh, especially important to me personally. It goes into detail of uh, our history. Um, this book here, in my opinion, is uh, the beginning of our documented history, which has never been written. And um, you know, I feel like people should know who they are and where they came from, and uh, not instead of just uh, um, learning everyone else's history. You know, I, I think that it's past time for us to know our own. I agree. Why do you think uh, West Texans should read this book? Uh, well, it's um, uh, it has historical knowledge that has never been made public, historical information, historical data. Um, it is uh, um, the book has uh, historical content, genealogical content, and sociological content. Um, I have multiple. Reasons for the book, but uh, mostly I want people to become aware of uh, each other's history and um, perhaps reevaluate what uh, their thoughts about people and each other and even themselves, and um, uh, ultimately to promote peace and understanding between people and cultures. In the, in the conclusion of the book, there, there are lots of quotes uh, in the conclusion, and they just really stand out, and I thought it was, it was really uh, nice to have those stand out in the book. I'm just going to read a couple of them. Uh, it, is the past, it, is, it is past time for the establishment mindset in Texas to evolve. And another says, in order for people to learn from history, they first have to know it. Denying history to be known encourages mistakes to be repeated. 
some of these are just they're they're just so moving and what a great way to conclude the book uh, because I just really thought that those were so important uh, what um, what made you write those um, well uh, frustration uh, frustration um, that someone else uh, that academia has not done the research and focused on the research of the history um, of West Texas. It's a very ancient history. Actually, our, our documented history first began in 1535. Uh, you know, that's almost 100 years before the arrival of the Mayflower. And yet, very little is written and uh, very little is known and universities are just not pursuing it and I'm having a hard time understanding and accepting that. And so those uh, quotations came out uh, of frustration of those things not being done. Now, where can people find this book right now to order it? Uh, well, I've got uh, a website under construction, lajuntapress.com. Uh, has contact information there. And uh, uh, they can also be uh, ordered directly uh, through me. Uh, Israel Mendoza, uh, P.O. Box 18001, Austin, Texas, 78760. And um, uh, I have an email address, imdelev at hotmail.com, or I can be reached at uh, im at lajuntapress.com. Great, and we'll also make these links available on our on our website, so uh, people who who get to the podcast they'll be able to just link to that and have that information as well. Uh, we'll have your your bio on there, and we'll also have links to to the website and to uh, how they can order them. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us about this great book. I enjoyed reading it. I know I bought two of them, and uh, it's going to add be added to my collection. But we, we appreciate the work that you've done. This is a, a major contribution to West Texas. And if, if there are people out there who are not recognizing that, uh, it's just it's disappointing because I think that uh, those people and whoever uh, listens to this podcast and then decides to purchase one, I think it's, uh, they'll find uh, how, much, uh, how, much, how much it contributes to, the, to this area of, West Te of, of Texas. So, so thank you for coming on Community Forum. Uh, thank you, Art. I appreciate uh, for the opportunity. If you want to order a copy and learn more about Mr. Mendoza, we will have a link posted on the podcast landing page. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and don't forget to join us next week. Until then, have a great week.